Welcome to It's Like This. My name is Laura Seifert, and I'm an author, a teacher, a speaker, but really I'm just an everyday woman who's looking to find God in everyday life. Throughout the Bible, Jesus would take profound truths like the kingdom of God. What is that? What does that even mean? And he would make these big truths accessible and understandable. And he did it by giving examples and saying things like, well, it's like this. It's like a mustard seed. And when you plant it, it grows and it blooms and it provides shade. And why would he say that? Because he's speaking to people that are farmers. So instantly it makes sense to them and they can get their minds around it. Other people would say, God, he's like a shepherd and he cares for his sheep like a good shepherd would. And that was coming from David, who was a shepherd himself. So where do we find God today? Because I'm not a shepherd and I'm not a farmer. You might be. But where do I find him? Can I find him in the grocery store aisle, my least favorite errand to run? You better believe it. Can I find him around a dinner table with a good meal and great conversation? Absolutely. So join me each week for fun conversations about finding God even when we aren't looking for him. It's like this. Hey, welcome, guys. Thank you for uh, tuning in to another episode of It's Like This with Laura Seifert. Okay, my guest today is one of my all-time faves. And I, I don't know if I say that with every episode, but let me say, this is one of my all-time faves. Nona Landers, Nona K. Landers. Nona and I, Nona happens to be on the board of Yes Ministries, but she and I go way, 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 way back. Like how many years, Nona? I'd say 20. Something. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I met Nona, and we live in Friendswood. Nona's a little ahead of the game. She's a little bit older than me. I'm not going to say how much. I'm going to be 60 in a week. Come on. So I'm embracing the Put number. it out there. I'm just saying it's 60. Wow. Huge. Nona has four <laughs> kids. Luke. How old is Luke? Luke is uh, 32. 32. Lindsay? Is going to be 30, like in a week or so. Two. Jillian? 28. And Jana? 25. So So, as you can see, she's raised him up. So today, our topic, what we're talking about is parenting with intentionality. And nobody in my mind does it better than Nona Lander. She is natural. She is relaxed. She she loves her kids fiercely. And so I thought this would be a fun thing for us to talk about today. And as we jump in, Nona, let's define what do you, in your mind, do you think parenting with intention or with intentionality, what does it even mean in your mind? Well, your kids are going to spend time. Yeah. So it's a priority of how you're going to spend that time with them when they're under your roof. Yeah. So it's setting up strategies. And I think everyone, everybody that has a child has great intentions. You're looking at the newborn, you're like, the possibilities are endless. Right. But, but what you do after that, you know, mm. what strategies that you're setting in place ahead of that, you know, for us, um, you know, we were super intentional. I just really feel like that's kind of the theme of my life. Because really? I, being intentional, particularly in my marriage, is really important. From the very beginning, we had counseling, and we wanted to thresh through, you know, how we were raised and what, what our goals were that were different, maybe, for yeah. raising our kids. And so, you know, intentional about loving my husband, and we've been married for 32 years, and he's just my best friend. I always want to be intentional about showing, yeah. showing my kids, you know, so that was my highest priority as far as being intentional as a strategy. But then after that, you know, faith, education, and character. Yeah. You know, their character and who they were, were, you know, it's a really big topic. Yeah, it is. I was going to say. <laughs> and I think everybody's, the way, intention is just what you will, what you set out to do. It's, mm-hmm. 
And I think for all of us, it's different. And I am someone that has watched Nona up close and from afar for a lot of years. And you're incredibly intentional with your kids and you can see it in their lives now. They're all grown and out from under your roof. And I think it's been a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, I My kids, as y'all know, are 15, no, 16. Ben yeah. just started driving. Oh, gosh. So and Beth is 14. And so they are both in high school. And so I'm in the thick of teenage years. And so for me, I am having to be intentional in different ways than I was when they were little. And I'm not a huge strategist. You know me well, Nona. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a visionary, but I'm I'm one that's like, let's do that. I don't know how we're going to do it. We'll figure it out as we go. So you are more of a planner than I am. And so our intentionality within our own homes is probably different. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, the same because we're we're really wanting our kids to be Mm God-fearing, law-abiding citizens that love others, that are kind, that are character-driven kids, and and so forth. So anyway, I wanted to ask you a question. Nona, share some specifics with us. So all your kids are grown. You're a brand-new grandmother. Can we talk about that first? I know. Let's do. Okay. So first grandson, first grandchild, Stone John Moen. Stone John. Stone John. Call him Stoney. Because I think my grandmother's name is going to be Noni, so it just works like oh Noni God. and Stony. But he can literally call me whatever he wants to call me. Whenever he wants. I just want him to know that I think he's the greatest and I love him. So Aww. he's super cute, too. So, so. as a, so I'm 50, and I started out having kids late. And so I have a very grandmother maternal instinct that's <laughs> rising up in me as I've experienced menopause that Catherine and I just talked about on the last episode. <laughs> Uh, or one of our episodes, but I'm way down the line from having grandkids. But what I hear is the love for a grandkid is unlike any other love. Would you agree it's with that? It's been strange. I, it's really surreal right now because, like, we saw him on Sunday. He had his little baby dedication and everything. And I think he's my kid. You know, you think he's mine. I think he's going to go home with my, him, and I'm going to feed him and raise him and bathe him. But he's not my kid. Yeah. He has awesome parents, and they're doing an amazing job. They have great instincts. And I am just a support system, and uh, we leave him, and then we come back to him. And um, so that's kind of new for me. I'm just trying to get my head around it. But oh, what, I love what it. they all say is true. I mean, it really is just like. It's just such a beautiful thing to see your child become a parent, Aww. just to watch Lindsay. And it's beautiful. I Don't make me cry. On I love it. She, she's doing a great job. And it's hard. You know, you forget. And I go, God dang, I did that four times. <laughs> I did that four times, and that was freaking hard. And I mean, nobody can prepare you for it. No, it's it's hard work. It you is know, hard sleepless. work. And I always say that, you know, the, the babies and the, the elementary ages, it's such a physical, sleepless yeah. time. But then you meet your junior high, you know, it comes out in an emotional, physical, draining time. But then I think moving into the phase that we're in, it's such a sweet, rewarding mm. time. And I'm just really loving this stage of life where, you know, the hard work, the long hours, the, the sleepless nights of just long mm-hmm. conversation and attention intentional time with them is kind of paying off because I get to learn from them now. Yeah. I mean, they really are my biggest inspiration. I love it. I mean, they're teaching me things. Well, so talk about that, because now that they're all grown and you see Lindsay becoming a mom for the first time, what are some intentional ways you parented that you look back now with grown kids and you're like, that's a win. That's something well, that I would encourage others to do. Well, it's it's big. It's a big topic. And, you know, I did spend a lot of 
intentional time listening to them. They're all very different personalities. Yeah. And so just trying to call them up and out and who they were and God's called them to be took a lot of work, I feel like, because, you know, you, you try everything. You play a thousand different sports. You try different, you know, yeah. choir, theater, all these things, and you try to get them in a place where they're they're feeling confident about mm-hmm. themselves. So I asked all four of them, and they kind of similarly came up with some things about our parenting. And I always say ours because this is just not yeah, a one-man show. Of course. I mean, we were definitely a team in this. But my son Luke sent me this this morning. I thought it was really good. I wanted to read you this text that he sent. He said, I think it was important that you and Dad always showed me there was a bigger picture, uh, which gave me a reason to make good choices. You take a kid from Friendswood, a really small town, to visit Yale and Princeton, and you say, we believe you belong in a place like this. So I started to live like a person who was going to an Ivy League school. I was in high school making choices not based on the immediate circumstances, but with a bigger end goal in mind. Speaking identity into kids help, uh, helps make them who they are. You said, I was smart, I believed it, you, and I wanted to get smarter. You said, I was strong, and I believed it, and I wanted to get stronger. Jesus does the same thing to us. He says, we are righteous because of him. We believe it, and we start acting differently. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, boom, drop, so mic you, drop. You know, I yeah. can't really say it better than that because that is the end goal is for them to see, you know, yeah, see Jesus in the intention of the parenting of all these mm-hmm. these boundaries you're putting around them for all these years. And I'm real big on boundaries. I feel it's okay not to be to be the most popular and to leave the party when everyone's drinking and you're not. Yeah. I mean, I heard Greg Mott uh, do a sermon like a week ago about going to a party and people making fun of a kid for drinking. And, and uh, you know, what's your response to that, high school kids? Bye. Yeah. So, bye. Get out. Yeah. You know, just, you, you know, can it's just okay leave. to say, you know, see mm-hmm. ya, you know. And, and I tried to talk with them a lot about that. You know, it's okay not to be popular. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay to hang out with the the theater or the fringe or whoever and find, you know, there's a lot of really rich, deep friendships mm-hmm. that can come from people that yeah. aren't in that popular, you know, super official crowd uh, that runs in junior high and high school. It's yeah. a tricky age. And so it's I know very you're tricky. in the thick of it. And, you know, yeah. I have a lot of questions for you, too, yeah. because uh, I was thinking about, you know, you know, we think everything in sports analogies in our family. All of my kids were athletes. And so we None were really of my big. kids are athletes. Well, but. we just think a lot about team building yeah. and about, you know, we're the A team, we're the yeah. leaders, and we were all for each other. And um, and then I think about you, Laura, and I, you know, you are really have model team building for me oh, on thank how you, to be a good team builder because you see people and you call them up and out into their calling. And I think that's one of your greatest mm-hmm. gifts as a pastor is mm. and teacher is to really hear and look and see people and then say, okay, here's where you fit. And so mm-hmm. you brought me into your board mm-hmm. and I was very different from all the other mm-hmm. ones. First of all, I was the oldest one. <laughs> so I had to take a mantle of maturity, which <laughs> I don't think I'm capable of in some places. But, uh, but yeah, but these women have really become just great friends of mine. And mm-hmm. I thank you for that oh. because um, I wouldn't have known them otherwise, but but we've all worked and used our strengths to, yeah. to progress this ministry and to help you really, um, you know, bring all other women closer to Jesus. Yeah. That's our mission statement. Yeah. So. Well, it's interesting that you thank you for saying that, Nona. That means a lot to me. But one of the things when you're talking about calling them up and out and I'm calling you up and out, there's a lot of things I don't know to do with kids. There's a lot of ways I feel way over my head 
And I think I've way outpunted my coverage here, especially teenage years, because I, like I said, I've got a freshman and a sophomore. And like you said, in the little, the young years, it's physical, mm-hmm. so physically demanding. You're just constantly on and you're making sure they don't kill themselves mm-hmm. with the knife that they grab in the kitchen, but, or whatever they're doing or that toy. Emotional taxation really defines the teenage years for me. Yeah. And so for me, with intentionality is just that. How do I call them up and out? How do I look at them and go, that's not who you are. This is who you are. You have to remember who you are because what I didn't expect, and I don't know if you can relate to this, this is just coming to me, is you said you have all athletes in your house. You had a lot of athletic kids. I thought I would. I don't know why I thought I would because Jason's not athletic per se. Sorry, honey. I'm not athletic, really. I mean, I was a cheerleader, but back then that just didn't mean a whole lot. And so, but I just assumed maybe because of our town is that they would be in sports their whole career growing up until they graduated. And my son was cut from the junior high basketball team and Beth didn't make it either when she tried out. And it was this kind of a bit of a crash of identity for me as a mom. I don't know. I know you've experienced that too, I'm sure, of like, now what do I do? This is not the way I thought it would go. And I had to release my kids again and again and again and go, God, you're writing the story of their life. And so how do I come along and help steward that? And one of the ways is exactly what you said, is call them up and out. This I do know. This is your character. Mm -hmm. This is who you were meant to be. Mm -hmm. You, You may not be the athlete that I thought. You may be a fantastic theater kid. But regardless of what activity you're doing, you will always be kind. You will always be... Mm-hmm. You will have character that will shine through, and, and so look that's one thing. Yourself, you yeah, know, you know that that's a that's a learned behavior. Yeah, you know that there's so many things that are learned behaviors, and if you just hurry through your, if you just are always in a hurry, you miss these little moments that are teachable moments. I yes, feel like. um, but you know that's good. Nana. I am. Uh, I'm the first to say that, you know, there were mistakes that I made and I can look back now and go, what was I even thinking? Mm -hmm. Because in in some of them revolved around sports. I actually did have a strategy. I always wanted them in a sport and a fine art because in sports, you know, you could either be the captain or you could be riding the bench or you couldn't make the team. And then in choir, everyone clapped for everybody. (laughs) Like, it didn't matter if you're in the background, you couldn't sing. They're all cheering for you. And then I'm like, well, I love that. And you can't get hurt in choir, apparently. You know, so yeah. all my kids ended up getting injured and sports ended up not. That's super smart. Not being a thing. But um, I love that. Well, so you talk about calling them up and out is one of the strategies that Luke even said, you know, you told me who I was and I began to believe it. And so I started to live that way. What are some strategies or some things that you set out to do that you think maybe well, I could have you know, laid that down? It's very common, especially in our town, super competitive athletics. You think every one of your kids is going to be a college athlete and be an Olympian. Uh-huh. And that is just a lie. I think that's true in a lot <laughs> of towns. so, so few people that actually make it to that level. And even if they are skilled, I mean, they're one injury away from an ending. And that's true for several of my kids. But uh, there was one instance that I'm like, this is a horrible mom moment. Jillian tried out for varsity volleyball. She's a really good volleyball player. And she was a sophomore. She had a real shot at it. She broke her back. Like, she broke her back. Oh, I remember that. And she got, and she was put in a back brace. So she ends up, you know, three weeks later in a back brace, but she's on JV and she's out there playing. She's out there, like, diving after balls in a back brace. And I'm like, whose kid is that? Like, what am I doing? Why did I put her, why did I allow her to do this? She's obviously in pain, (laughs) number one. And, like, is some college scout going to see that she's got endurance by, like, 
being able to do this immobile in, in this immobile brace. And I'm like, gosh, what am I doing? You know, why so was I... it kind of a wake up call for you? Well, it was. And, you know, you know, there were just different injuries, you know, mm-hmm. Luke had a really devastating injury and that was a setback for him. And, um, and Lindsay had an injury. And so, you know, it's, I feel like by the fourth one, I kind of got it right. Jana just played sports to have fun, like seventh grade B team. Yes. You know, mm. she loved it. And, and it really didn't, you know, so I, I always apologize to Luke and John and I say this, that you are a science fair experiment because we've got, you know, we have yeah. the hypothesis and we strategy and we had the variables, but, you know, our conclusion didn't always come. But by Jana, our youngest, I mean, even though she is like such a hot mess and such a rock star all the same oh, time. Oh, she's the best. She really is the best of us and we all say it. Mm. She's such a talent and such a gifted person and... Um, we all just adore her. Like she's such a special person. And so I could say that about each one, but, um, but I've, you know, made little, little course corrections, you know, With over each the one. years and, and just allowed, probably, you know, it also allowed Gianna more freedom. And then of course the older ones did that yeah. always, you know, shaved her legs way soon. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Had blue eyeshadow on long before she should have. Oh, true. It's but, fine. Uh, but you know, all things work together. Yeah. I mean, that was all going in the right yeah. direction. And, um, but yeah, it was. I love it. So good. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back. Home is where the heart is or where the chaos is. <laughs> Jason and I moved into our home about three years ago and I still haven't finished decorating it. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. But I do have some stuff on the walls, but I often daydream about our home. I want it to be bright and clean and a refined space, but one where my family can also comfortably live. And that's where Oyster Creek Studios comes in. Oyster Creek Studios creates livable and elevated spaces for everyday life. They're a full service interior design studio furnishing homes from one room to an entire home. New construction, renovation, or a refresh just like I need. Oyster Studios has you covered. They are experts who are passionate about design and have a beautiful showroom in West University, right in the heart of Houston. Learn more by visiting OysterCreekStudios.com. All right, guys, thanks for coming back. Um, As we kind of draw closer to an end, I wanted to just see, Nona, tell me about, you and I were both talking about fear in Mm -hmm. parenting, and all of us have, just when you're trying to be intentional, I think if I'm not careful, the goal of being intentional can move into a goal of control of like, I've, it's on me to raise these kids. And if I mess this up, they're going to be, you know, on drugs and in jail and in whatever. And the truth of the matter is we just don't know. It's like, we're doing the best we can. And so I lean on grace, but as a parent, it's easy to be gripped with fear when it comes to your kids for their safety, for their well-being, for their character, for everything. How did you combat that? I feel like that was my greatest ongoing battlefield, and I feel like it's still a part of it. But I do feel like that that my intentional faith in seeking God, particularly in women's Bible study, Mm. you know, I mean, even in the really great seasons when everything was going well Mm -hmm. and everyone was in a good place, I feel like that shored me up for the harder seasons that we've been through. So, you know, just having some really intentional time, focused time in the Word, with other women kind of fleshing out those those things. And also, I've always sought out women that were like five to 10 years older than me as mentors. Mm, that's me too. And I, you know, we were very blessed that we had a group of women that were consistently praying for both of us mm-hmm. and our kids. But um, 
but I would look, I would watch them, and I would try to emulate them. I've always done that. I've always wanted to emulate amazing Christian women, mm-hmm. and I, you know, don't want to be exactly like them, but there's some character quality sure. about them that I really want to steal, and so I have a friend, Elaine, and she's such a giver. She's mm-hmm. su- she knows how to give with such grace and such integrity, and I always wanted to be like Elaine, and mm-hmm. then I, you know, Debbie was fun, mm-hmm. and she, you know, she had a full house and a very full husband with a very full life, but she was just really enjoyed each one. It was super intentional, and and Joyce was such a great listener. Mm-hmm. And I just and I'd watch how she would listen to me, and I'd try to copy that, like almost to the T, the language of mm-hmm. how she was asking questions. Sometimes I'd even take notes about mm-hmm. she was listening to me, and I try to to practice and integrate that In into parenting. my parenting and into uh, all of my relationships, really. But that's over, so good. Yeah, overriding on that, Laura, you really have been not just a close friend, but a pastor to me. And and I I really appreciate you for that, because you have you have to have a women that can hold you accountable, mm-hmm. see you and know you know you're at your darkest place, but also call you, you know, mm-hmm. into something higher for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because one of my girls, Lindsay, was telling me, she said, you know, mom. You know, when you sent us off to college, you didn't kind of curl in a ball like, poor me, I'm an empty nester. You you had yeah. you had purpose. You were mentoring people. You were part of Yes Ministries. You had purpose in your own life. So it wasn't all about, you didn't put that onus on us like, you know. Got to oh, make sure she's okay. Make sure my mom's okay. She's crying. And I'm seeing a lot of our younger mom friends going off right now. And they're all like, you know, just devastated because their life had centered around their kids' activities, which mine certainly did for a lot of years. But I also had vision for myself, mm. and I want to continue that. I want to continue to be a lifelong learner. That's good. And no, for no. better or for worse, I just want to keep knowing what God has for me and what he sees for me. And um, and I think that makes my kids proud. Mm. I think that makes them proud of me. And what um, I hear you saying, too, Nona, is that you parented within community. You had other women that were, maybe they weren't as connected to your kids directly, but because they were connected to you, that impacted the way you parented and yeah. reduced the well, fear. Well, most moms listening to this will probably know, I mean, friendships are seasonal. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if your kids are athletes or they're in yeah. any kind of activity sure. in high school. I mean, you're going to be in the stands with that certain group of people mm-hmm. for a season, and then you move on to the next mm-hmm. next group. And so, you know, we tried to live life in community with whatever group we were if We were in musical we were with those musical parents, and we really invested and opened our home and tried to, you know, love on their kids as much as we loved on our kids. And that that was one of the beauty about our community. And I think most communities is that you you get to be a part of your own kid's life, but then you there's a there's an extension to yeah. that where you can bring other kids in. And that was really important to John and I to have a place where yeah. other kids that felt maybe like yeah fringe felt like they had a home at yeah. our house. So. Yeah, I think that community and that in, that intentionality with my friendships and my sister, my kids watch that and they see that and they I, and like my sister Catherine, who's actually sitting in the room with us today, she speaks into my kids' lives in a way that I can't. And we were just talking about that and just it, and it reduces my fear of like I'm not alone in this. Like we were locked arms. We're all in this together. Nobody's got this thing figured out. True. And you're going to parent differently than I am, and we can learn from each other just like you were learning from those other women. And it's all part of God's plan as you're raising up these humans to yeah. be somewhat Something funny, somewhat I have to tell the story because, you know, 
I don't know how many people have a kindergartner that got, got expelled, but <laughs> Jana was expelled from Children's House. And of course she was. You know what? You know, she she cut someone's hair with scissors and then well, she made a mess with glue. And so it probably looked better. And markers, too, were not her friend. And so she was grounded from markers, glue and scissors. What do you do in kindergarten <laughs> without those three elements? You know, you, and you, so you stay home. And then I think she I think we paid five hundred dollars because she pulled the fire alarm. But, you know, <laughs> she was expelled for a season <laughs> from a preschool. And so, you know, there's only up from there, you know, for Jana. And so I feel like it's we've kept her on course. And she's only going to well. get better. I'll get in, I'm in so much trouble. And now she's a comedian. Story, but it's true. But the humor, I have to say, has to be a part of parenting. Yes. I mean, your sister's sitting here and listening, and she's one of the funniest humans I know, and so are you. And I just feel like if you can't have an ongoing dialogue with humor infused into your parenting, you're missing out. Yeah. Because your kids are – kid, you may not be funny, and, but if but just get in there and, and like, be relatable to mm-hmm. them. Like, laugh at what they laugh at. Listen to what they listen to. There's always a conversation to be had around and it. one thing you do well, and I think I do well, let them make fun of you. Certainly. Not disrespectfully. Oh, I have my own hashtag, Laura. Right. No. Typical knowns. Typical knowns. I mean, when I say the dumbest things, they right. say hashtag typical knowns. Right. I mean, I get that text probably weekly. Typical knowns. But, you know, I'm it, okay with it. I You <laughs> have to be okay with it. If you yeah. can't laugh at yourself, it just it's shuts true. your kids down. What are some ways as we... Also, I keep saying wrap up, but I could talk to you all day. What are some ways you build trust with your kids? We talked about this a little bit. You share and I'll share. Well, I mean, I really wanted to hear some things from you on that, particularly. Maybe I just teed that up well. Well, you know, I mean, I'm at a stage now where raising adult kids, the conversation has changed. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really important to say, too, because. You know, at some point you want, um, you know, they don't want you to fix the problem. They just want you to listen to it yeah. and let them problem solve it on their own. So there is a shift when they go to college where you have to stop micromanaging their lives. Yeah. And it's super important that you do that, especially with the son, I, I think, particularly. Mm. So um, I know there's strategies for both, but I honestly really parented both sexes the same. Yeah. I don't think there were too many things. Uh, that we did differently with Luke that we did with the girls. But I was just curious particularly about you guys yeah. with having one of each, you know, like what specifically, like do you have boundaries set right now for Beth? And None whatsoever. <laughs> she can just do whatever she wants. Yeah, we have lots of boundaries. Her dad is yeah. like living with an ulcer half the time of making sure what she wears and how she, you know, as a protective dad. One of the things that helps me build trust, because to me, if if you lose trust and you micromanage even at our this teenage age, I f- realize you're going to lose them. Mm-hmm. And so as I try and capture their heart and try and build trust, being in their world, and so I literally get in the car. Ben just started driving, but they love music more than anything. And so we'll get in the car and they'll say, can we just go drive around? And we literally will go through Sonic drive through and we'll drive all over our little town. And the more we drive and we listen to the Lumineers, Mm -hmm. they start to talk. And then I'll turn down the stereo just a little bit so I can hear because I'm old. And then the conversations just start and they develop. But, I mean, at 730, do I want to get out and go in the car and drive around? No, I want to put my PJs on and watch the Astros. But I say yes, and I get in that car. And I will tell you, any mom with a teenager, just get in their world rather than having them come to your world. And for now, right now, my kid's world is is they like to listen to music and they love to be in the car. So that's what we're doing. They love to go out to eat. So we go out to eat and we sit and we do highs and lows. And 
I just it I can see it I can see the fruit because yeah. I do see that they come to me that I I'm their person. Well, some of you listening to this might not know Laura's family personally. You might hear <laughs> a lot about Ben and Beth and Jason, but I want to tell you I do know these kids. I've, I've watched them grow up. Uh, you have born and um and just the character and the they're intellectual. They're also they just really know how to communicate well with adults, and I just so appreciate mm. that. But you know, that just didn't happen. You know, that mm. is from a lot of work behind the scenes, a lot of, you know, team building. I mean, I know your sister and all mm. your family. I mean, it's a it's a joint effort. Yeah. There's a lot of people involved in raising awesome kids. Yeah. You know, but uh, but you're doing a great job. Thanks, I mean, nuts. your team is an yeah, and, and I cannot wait you... to see what those kids do with their lives. I mean, there's some kids that you just cannot wait because you I have I see so much vision for them. They're Aww. really their their potential is unlimited because they both really have a great foundation understanding of who God is. And well, they and just look confident. And even though they're going through some real yeah, beat up challenges, it's not perfect. there's always going to be mean girls. There's you know, mm-hmm. someone's always going to be faster, smarter, you know, yeah. all those things. But, but you're, you're, you're walking through with them, you know, and you're, and you're still calling them up and out, mm-hmm. Laura, and you're doing it right. I'm just super proud of you for that. I'll pay you later, Nona. Thanks. <laughs> all right. We're going to close out. Nona, I ask every guest the same question. So here it comes. Give us an example of the last, most, the freshest moment. I kind of word it differently every time. Where you've seen God show up in your life and you weren't looking for him. Oh, it just, you know, there's a lot of things. But uh, right now, we just, um, we just made a huge move in our lives. Mm -hmm. We we bought uh, like a future, like, lake home, retirement home. We're not retiring yet. We're not there yet. But we bought this house and right when we bought it. All the trees died, and on the water receded. Like, there's this huge drought at this lake. And so, of course, we gained property because the lake goes yeah. in. But so we were looking out at this receding lake line, and we were like, okay, let's just see this as a blessing. So we go out there, and we start combing through the lake bed, and we find glass, and we find all these broken things and tires. And we're like, okay, well, this is where our little grandkids are going to swim someday yeah. and march around in this sand and like we're removing these obstacles for them. So so we just spent a lot of time, and I kept thinking, God just kept really giving me a vision of what the drought time can be, mm. you know, because when you're in a season where you don't feel like you have a ton of friends around mm-hmm. you, or maybe you are just a recent empty nester or something like that, but you feel like things are changing or you're in transition, and you feel like, God, the water's out, mm. take the time to just really take some time and and dig through some of the trash, yeah. you know, and remove those obstacles. Use that time. It's not wasted. It's not, nothing's wasted. He doesn't. And then the water fills back up and you get in there with the toys and you're swimming with the kids. You'll forget about, you know, those sharp objects mm-hmm. that were breaking you. But you, but if you're intentional, even when God doesn't seem super present, mm-hmm. you know, when he doesn't, like maybe you've had like a church experience that didn't go your way or something even in those times, God can reveal so yeah. much. And so he's really been showing me that. I That's feel so like good. This is a, um, a new adventure, a new season for us. And, you know, it's scary. Change is different. Change, uh, is, change can be really but, scary, but it's good but change. It's good. Yeah. And I think still my kids are watching. They're Absolutely still watching. they are. They're still watching. Yeah. They're still learning from me. And so that never ends. Well, and you're one of the best to learn from. So thanks for coming on today, Nona. I'm to do it. Thank you so much. You're good at this, Laura. Oh, I sure do love it because I love to talk. Um, All right, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, We'll see you next time on another episode of It's Like This. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Oyster Creek Studios. Oyster Creek Studios designs livable and elevated spaces for everyday life. As a full-service interior design studio, Oyster Creek Studios is ready to design one room or an entire home. New construction, renovation, or just need a refresh? Oyster Creek Studios understands what it takes to make your home the home of your dreams. A home that's life-filled, bright, clean, and refined. Some call it livable luxury, but we just call it the OCS look. Learn more at OysterCreekStudios.com or visit their showroom in West University, right in the heart of Houston. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of It's Like This. And most importantly, though, I hope that you find it helpful in your own discovery of God. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating and review. And to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Seifert Yes, which is L-A-U-R-A-S-E-I-F-E-R-T-Y-E-S. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.